What's up, Zach? How we doing? Doing well. You know, you and I were talking yesterday, and along with some of our other housemates, and we we brought up this thing that all older brothers we think can relate to. I think everyone can if you're an older brother Absolutely. or sister. It might apply. Maybe we'll see. But so it's that moment when you and your brother or brothers or sisters or whatever it is, whenever you're playing together, and you transition from we're having a fun time to oh, I've accidentally just severely injured my sibling. Yeah, me and my brothers had boxing gloves. And this happened once where just smacked him in the head. He fell. Eyes kind of rolled back and you knew. Yeah. But but your first concern was not, is my brother okay? No. No. Last concern. Right. Because you realize that you might not be okay. No, no, no. Mama hears, it's over. Yeah. So so once your younger brother hits the whimpering phase, the <laughs> that's where you have to spring into action yeah. fast. Quickly. First responder type speed. Yeah. For your own sake. Absolutely. You start like... Just offering up anything you can give. Anything you own is now up for grabs. You start thinking back to anything your brother might have complimented in the past, and it is now yep. his if he it's wants like it. It's like an auction. It's like, you can have my dessert for the rest of my life. I'll, I'll do your chores for a week. I'll be I'll be your servant for a day. You can have a free shot. I'll never, never, ever, ever hurt you again. You're, you're so tough, man. Dude. You are tough. <laughs> That's so true. Just Where you just start boosting your yes, brother. You're like, like, bro, you're good. You're you good. don't need your mom, man. You're, you're three. You got this. Dude. Oh my gosh, did that so much. But then your mom hears. Yeah, you hear her feet coming up the stairs. Door opens. She looks you in your eyes and she says, Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderberg, here with my co-host, as always, Cooper McCullough. It really is me, folks. He's back. Well, Coop. We have a good interview today. I'm excited to hear about it. It's Jake Talbert. Okay. He's the assistant director at Canica K Country, a camp for six to 12 year olds in Branson, Missouri. East side, west side, but there ain't no side like the countryside. Get yourself to the countryside. It's dubbed, so I think Disney people would have something to say about this, but there is a sign that says the happiest place on earth. Wow. It's a bold claim, but Cooper, one thing I would tell you. I don't disagree. Okay. I've never I've never been a camper or attended, but I have seen some things that they do at that camp, and it's truly sensational. And what makes it the happiest place on earth is exactly what we're talking about today. Well, well let me know. Lay well, it on me. The title of this episode is The Power of Moments, Little Things That Make the Big Difference. Ooh. I like it. I like it. And so what we get to talk to Jake about is how you become more memorable or what are those things as a little kid that you don't forget because it's a moment that could be mundane, it could be repeated, it could be boring, but instead someone decided to go the extra mile to be to be intentional about doing something differently um, and it creates a memory that these kids won't ever forget. And it's something that Jake Tauber and his team at K-Country do so very well so we wanted to talk to him about it. But Cooper, while I was thinking about this and interviewing him, there's a defining moment in our friendship. I think there are many, but I'm well, excited to hear where this is going. Yeah, there, there's plenty. And we've talked about it in the pilot episode, but this one specifically stands out above the rest. It's our freshman year. Mm. It's one of those typical Friday nights. Yep. We're looking for something to do. So we get a group of people together and we go rollerblading. Rollerblading. Do you know where we're going? I know exactly where you're going. Okay, good. So we're rollerblading and I'm getting kind of cocky. I had grown up in Branson, Missouri. There's a skate world. Uh, I'd go over once in a while. You basically, all you have in Branson, Missouri is skating rinks, bumper cars, and putt-putt. That's not true, but we'll keep going. 
I, I grew up around skating kind of, but I wasn't amazing. And so we, I start getting a little cocky as I'm, as I'm skating along and our friend Jordan Wicker, shout out Jordan, shout out Jordan Wicker, one of our roommates, freshman year, he's a pretty tall guy, pretty long legs. He is. And so I'm like, Hey Jordan, Hey, spread your legs and I'm just going to glide under you. Yeah. Which in my mind is a great idea. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going, I start bending down and down and down and down to the point where I could go between his legs. And at the moment where I should be able to glide under smoothly, my head just smacks his bumper, if you will. And what happens in that moment, I don't know. Physics can't back this up. I don't know how this happened. But somehow, I landed face first on the ground. And he landed on top of me there sitting on my head. Yeah. No, it was not a pretty sight. It was bad. And so, I ended up bending his phone because it was in his back pocket. It was. And um, my head is now busted open. Mm. And I have a giant gash on over my eyebrow. And I'm just gushing blood. Yep. We went back to that skating rink weeks later. My blood stain still, still on there. the floor. Can you believe that? We love the sanitary conditions that that oh, skating rink Oh, my goodness. Had. So gross. But anyway, so we start plugging it. I'm just bleeding all over the place. So we have to leave. And so in that moment, I could have gone to the hospital. Yeah, you could have. You honestly would not have been. No one would have called you a pansy or thought anything less of you because it was a hospital worthy incident. I should have gone to the hospital. You should have gone to the hospital. But But we didn't. We had an on-site trained professional. We did. What's his name? Cooper McCullough. That's his name. So, Cooper, you're the on-site trained professional. What'd you do? I said, Zach, there's one of two things we can do here. Well, I calmed you down. I was fine. And you were fine. I was I just, fine. It just sounds cooler if I said it. Yeah, I you calmed me down. I, I calmed you down. And I said, buddy. You I, did not say buddy. <laughs> I, <know>, I, <laughs> I said, hey, look, everything's going to be all right. I think we need to go. We'll pick up some super glue and I'll glue you back together. And I said, all right, let's do it. And so we went to Walgreens. Uh-huh. Of course. And yeah. I think you're just paper towel to the dome at this point, just kind of stopping the blood with a yeah. paper towel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're walking up and down. We see the super glue. Um, and then next to it we see the liquid bandage. It was like it was like five dollars more. It was significant and we're in college. We're remember? in college. It's even more so we're freshmen in college. But we did we did decide to splurge because it was my first rodeo. Right. It, we did decide to splurge on the liquid bandage. Yep. And we go back to the dorm room. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have videos of yeah. you like laying on the floor, yeah. just head on the rug with me gluing your the slit in your face back together. Yeah. So what's funny though, normally you would pinch it together and glue it. Right. But we just glued the cut. We just glued it and I tried to squish it together with a butterfly <laughs> yeah. band-aid. So it hurt real bad. Yeah, no, he was not feeling good. But looking back on it, that is a moment that... I will never forget. We haven't talked about that in a long we time. Haven't. And but I just as remember I look, it like it's yesterday. As I look you in the eyes, I'm quickly diverted up to the left I where I see that scar. I see and you scar. Just, I'm with you forever, Zach. I love it. And it's one of those things we could have gone to the hospital. It would have been something we remember. But instead, we decided to glue my face back together. Do not try that at home. Don't try it at home. But it was so epic. And I'll never forget it. Try it in it. your dorm room. And that's what we're talking about today with Talbert. We're talking about being intentional, about making something great. Doing something that may be a little less reasonable, thinking outside the box, dreaming big, 
to do it to be a little more memorable mm. because there's some things you do that's it's a pit. We'll call them a pit. There's things that are mundane. You do them every day. You do them every week, and it's just boring. You have a weekly meeting in your office, and and there's something that needs to spice it up. Mm. Jake Talbert gives some great ideas, some great insight on how to intentionally look for things within your company, within your organization, within your team that need to be improved, and all it takes is a little intentionality to see something, to make a change, and to, to create a moment that people won't ever forget. Well, I'm excited to hear about it, Zach. Well, let's get into it. Here's my interview with the Jake Talbert. Jake Talbert, it's great to have you on. I'm so thankful to be with you and to get to talk to you. Uh, I want to just start by allowing you to introduce yourself. Who are you? What, what do you do? And um, what's your circle of influence? Yeah, man, Zach, it's great to, to be on. Uh, this is super fun. Uh, name's Jake Talbert. Uh, Texas raised, grew up in the Lone Star State, graduate of Baylor University. I've been serving in an assistant director position at Kanakuk uh, for the last uh, three years. This is my fourth year. Um, I work with six to 11-year-olds. Um, it's kind of the audience that I work with, but also have the privilege to work with 18 to 24-year-old college students. And then along with that, uh, families, moms, dads of all ages as well. That's awesome. Well, I want to really just dive in to what our content is for today. And really the title of our, our conversation is The Power of Moments is something that gets you really excited. Um, tell me about at K Country, what is a moment? What is, what is a moment that you remember from your years working there that is just magical and you'll, you'll never forget? Yeah, you know, moments are something uh, that I hadn't really even thought about just how um, there's a book called uh, The Power of Moments by Chip Heath. And Honestly, I haven't read the whole book, but I've seen, uh, I've, I've looked at different pieces here and there of the book and uh, just really interesting how people really think in that category. And if you look back, you may not remember an entire year or an entire moment or an entire uh, football game, for example, but you do remember one moment here or one moment there. Um, and so the idea is that moments are memorable and that's when you get people thinking, remember when blank. Remember when this happened or that happened. And so that's kind of the goal is that, that when you can make things memorable, it creates fun, it creates uh, excitement for folks. And so for me, working with six to 11 year olds, obviously the um, there are plenty of opportunities uh, to create moments. And we just uh, continue in, in working with, with kids in a Christian summer camp industry, just how can we work to leverage and influence what we have uh, to create moments of wonder? That's what we want to do. Uh, and so for me personally, as I look back kind of on my, uh, my camp career, I believe it was probably four summers ago, I was a programs guy, uh, helped facilitate our, our camp program. And uh, we had a party, and it was called the Red, White, and Boom Party. Uh, it was patriotic-themed. It was awesome. But we had done the same party eight weeks in a row, and people kind of knew what was going to be happening. And so week nine, we totally changed uh, the entire course of the party, um, and we, we decided to have uh, real-life characters uh, that were there on property. And so, for example, I, uh, we, we worked out some behind-the-scenes items and um, ultimately ended up, I ended up riding in on a big speckled horse, full speed, <laughs> Come on. Uh, galloping across the lower fields, dressed like Paul Revere, um, uh, colonial hat, the whole nine yards, full outfit, mic'd up, uh, giving a... Uh, giving a warning that the British were coming uh, across the entire lower fields. It's amazing. running across. So for me, that was a moment of wonder that even our staff look back and say, man, that was pretty sweet. 
That's amazing. And being a Canada camper myself, looking up to those guys riding on horses, the guys that are making those moments, and there's little things that that I just won't ever forget. And it's something even that the leadership guy or the programs guy isn't necessarily intentionally doing, but it's something these kids won't ever forget. But I love the book you were talking about, The Power of Moments by Chip Heath. We have a quote here from that book. It, it says, Chip says, get people to think in a different way and experience the world in a different way. That's creating a moment. Can you kind of talk about that? What does it look like for you as a Canacuck director to get people to think in a different way and to experience the world in a different way? Yeah, I think in a big way, it's just, it's a mindset issue. And so for a lot of people, they don't see that there's moments everywhere. And as I continue to tell our staff and uh, other people that I work with, um, just there's there's so many opportunities to create moments. You just have to be intentional about those a lot of times. Uh, I like to think of it as there's some that are um, uh, that you would look at and you really have to plan for. So maybe some strategic planning and then some you just have to honestly be uh, spontaneous for. So uh, I can give you a couple examples with that. But if you're looking at inside of camp for us, for example, if there's certain moments that I want to create, I need to be strategic about that. And so kind of in a similar stance this summer, this past summer, we had nine straight weeks of the same, I'll call it boring, lame dining hall uh, meal protocol on Sunday night. But the opportunity was too good for us not to pass up there on week 10. And so uh, what we did is is really the day before and the day of, we set up the dining hall just to make uh, an entirely um, Italian-themed Olive Garden Phil-type restaurant, if you will. That's so We were fun. serving breadsticks and spaghetti, but it was about to be served in a manner that no one had ever seen uh, before. Uh, dim the lights. We brought in candles. We had uh, Italian-themed house music on. Every leadership uh, member, we had nine guys dressed up in black pants, black shoes, white shirt, uh, apron, black hat, and a black, thick mustache. And everyone spoke in an Italian accent. That's As amazing. kids came in, they got to be welcomed in uh, to Tony's Italian Kitchen. You want kids to look up and their eyes uh, bug out and they start to to tap their buddy on the shoulder and uh, they start to talk to their counselor about things. And, and that's when it starts to get fun is when people pause and take notice of things that are going on around them. You know mm-hmm. that a moment is in the works. And a moment can be two seconds or it can be two hours. Um, it totally depends on the timing, but just something that's memorable, that's life-giving, that um, that, that, that people will remember for, for an extended period of time. I want to look at it from the leadership perspective, from, from your perspective, someone looking over at the, the status quo and saying, there's something that needs to change here. There's something that we could do better. There's something that we can improve on. How do you as a leader cultivate an environment and, and a culture with those you're leading of memories and, and inspiration for the people both inside and outside of the organization? Um, like I said, I think you just strategic planning is one, uh, for example, um, you have to look and see, okay, what's coming up, what's coming up on the agenda. What does the schedule look like this week? What's on the calendar? Are there opportunities that we could potentially jump in, uh, and maybe make an effort? Those are intentional things. And then along with that, uh, just having a mindset of spontaneity as well, uh, in every work day and every opportunity, there's a chance to do something. Uh, for example, a couple uh, years ago here, I saw a, I saw a need uh, just for our, our team in the Canuck office just on an afternoon. I said, why don't we just make some uh, some ice cream floats? And so went out, got some ice cream, brought it back, uh, got some bottles of Coke, sent out an, a, a calendar invite to all the employees in this office. And uh, about 15 minutes later, they got to come and enjoy a Coke float. Uh, and it was awesome. We fellowshiped for about 15 minutes, created some memories. Everyone went back 
uh, to kind of what they were doing. Uh, um, but it was, it was, it was fun, memorable. So I think from a leadership perspective, you have to be willing to create a culture of fun. You know, there's a clear difference between being unprofessional and having fun just because, right. you know, depending on the organization, but just because you're in a 35 story building, uh, and you're wearing a student tie, it doesn't mean that you can't have fun. Mm-hmm. Right. So look, can you decorate your office? Can, uh, you have a company service day in the community? Can you have a theme day at work, a family night at the park? What are some things that you could do to create moments for your people uh, that will actually help them to buy more into what you're doing? That's amazing. And I think what what about the person who isn't like that, who doesn't think like that? Say, Jake, you're one of the most creative, fun people I've ever met. That's just not me. How can I get into the mindset of, of thinking like Jake Talbert? How can I think like Jake? How can I be like Jake to make a memory or a moment for those people? Yeah, what I love about those people is if people are really wanting to, to come alongside of a leader and see how are they thinking, how are they acting, they've just got to spend time with that person. And so I think as a leader, you can't take everyone under your wing, but if someone intentionally comes and says, hey, I'd love to learn how to grow in this area, regardless of what the, um, uh, I guess the, the skill set may be, regardless of what that is, I think that it's a, it's a great opportunity for a leader to take someone under their wing and just to to help create that DNA into people. I think that oftentimes as leaders, you've spent so much time in a setting or in a spot that it just begins to become natural. And you forget that there's people out there that really do want to learn and that that don't know. Um, And so, yes, it's amazing when it becomes part of your DNA, but along with that, you need to also help just to create a culture that, that cultivates that in people speak the language uh, that they're speaking. Um, you can uh, set up a meeting with that person, um, have have uh, memos sent out to the organization or just drop things here and there. Um, again, it totally depends on what kind of company you're working with. But um, I think just making an effort to engage those people with specific situations and circumstances. Right. So would you say you lean more on the, the people-oriented side or the task-oriented side of, of leadership? Yeah. You know, I think I definitely – just naturally gravitate toward people, um, always. But, um, uh, along with that, uh, task is very important and it has to be a fine tension of the two and a successful leader has to be able to balance the two and not give 50% here and 50% here, but actually a hundred percent to people and a hundred percent to task. And that is doable. It sounds overwhelming, but that is doable. If you're a good manager of your time, a great delegator of responsibilities. Mm, that's good. Give me some practicals on that. If I'm trying to, if I'm very task oriented, my mind thinks I got to get stuff done. How can I still think of moments or think of how can I push these people or inspire these people to get these tasks done, but do it in a fun way, in a creative way? Yeah, that's, that's great. I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned, even from leaders above me, is just uh, bringing people alongside. There's so many times as a leader and the higher you go, it seems like the less free time you actually have. So there's two ideas. There's an idea called formal time and an idea called informal time. Mm. Formal time would be me scheduling a meeting and saying, hey, Zach, we're going to meet from 1 to one thirty today. Informal time would be me knowing, you know, I have to run an errand today and I have to pick this up uh, for camp or uh, for part of the job. And it's saying, hey, would you want to jump in the car and go with me? It's going to be 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back. That maximizes the time uh, that I have in the car with that person. It also allows me um, then to have free time later on to do um, a task that I may be involved in. So within your um, sphere of influence, within your organization, how as a leader do you go about identifying 
pits or identifying areas that can be improved or just seeing a need and filling a need with a moment? How do you see those and how do you navigate those or, or find them? That's great. I'd love to maybe just ask ask a couple questions and then maybe give a, a real life example from something uh, from from a, an experience just at camp. But I think in identifying pits or areas of improvement, you have to look at a couple things. You have to say, do I as a leader look forward to this? Is this something that I look forward to um, while I'm on the job? Another one would be, do my people look forward to it as well? Mm. Um, and I think you have to be careful with that because as a leader, oftentimes we look at it through our lens and not through the lens of our people. Um, and so we are too often, I think, blinded by our own prestige or position or this doesn't really affect me, but in, in turn, it really affects a lot of people. Uh, it may not be inconveniencing me, but it does inconvenience a lot of people. And so what is fun for me may not be fun for my employees or the people under me as a leader and vice versa. What may be fun for them uh, may not necessarily be fun for me. And I think as a leader, that's where I've said, you know, this may not be the most fun for me in this moment, um, but I can see the smiles that it has on people's faces and I can see the life and energy that it brings. Um, and so it's worth it uh, to have it. I would also ask the question, does this need to exist? There's a lot of things that just don't need to exist. Companies have been doing them for 20 years, 30 years, uh, and they've been doing them. But the reality is it doesn't need to exist. Um, I think of weekly meetings. Some companies have a weekly meeting at 10 a.m. every Thursday morning. Um, just because that's what they've always done. You don't have to have it. So I would say if, if you can drop something like that, go ahead and cut it. If it, if, if it does require uh, you to have that meeting every week, improve it. Um, change the location, theme it, bring in house music, give treats, uh, change the time, shorten it, cut all the other stuff and just get to the meat. That's what people want to know. And that's, I think, what, what is helpful for people. So how do you specifically, um, when you identify a pit, how do you then in turn look at it as an area of improvement or um, it, say it is a tradition thing, something you've always done? How do you go about changing the status quo or wanting to improve it or always being an evaluator of what you're doing? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, you know, I think there is a, there's a fine line. You do want consistency, but you also have to keep things fresh. Uh, so for at camp, for example, we run 10 weeks of pretty much the same program every week. There's a new group of kids, but our staff remains the same. And so it can become, uh, they can start to get maybe bogged down with the, uh, the normalcy of things. And so you never want to keep things, um, um, just in a spot where you know, what's coming. Um, so for example, uh, Two summers ago, uh, we were in the dining hall at K Country, and there were about 145 uh, little guys in there, ages 6 to 11, running around. And, and um, uh, thunderstorm warning coming, and it, we're looking the radar, checking the radar, and it looks like uh, that the thunderstorm is about to hit. So we make a call, and I get on the microphone, uh, actually get a leadership guy on the microphone, and he makes the announcement. He says, all campers out of the dining hall. There was there was food everywhere. We hadn't even started cleaning yet, but they had just about finished up eating. So we said, all campers out of the dining hall, go, 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 go. And then what we did is I rallied all the leadership team members. There were about nine of us, 10 of us in the middle of the dining hall. Very quickly, we delegated tasks. Um, we, we decided to make this the most fun event of the entire week. Um, and so we set a timer. We turned on music. Everybody had tasks. And soon enough, we had the entire dining hall, which normally takes 15 minutes with everyone, wrapped up in about seven minutes. Um, and it was a moment that no one will forget. As soon as we got done, rain started coming down. 
everyone's outside. We have a dance party outside in the rain. Uh, and then during that, the rain continues to come harder and harder. Um, we go and then we jump in the pool uh, and we just continue just to amp that up. We have music on outside, dance party in the rain. I mean, it was a moment I will never forget. I had a leadership guy come up to me this summer um, and he just said, Jake, remember when the epic rainstorm happened and we swiped the dining hall and then we all had an epic dance party in the rain. And that's one of those things where I wasn't really thinking in the moment, let's create a moment, but it just kind of happened as part of our DNA. But really, if you see an opportunity, I'm always just like, okay, is it something we can do? Is it going to, is it going to damage anything or uh, is there something that might be at risk? No. Okay. Let's jump in and go for it and have fun. Right. And that's even one of those things where it wasn't an intentional time where you were looking at it as a a moment that we could create. It was just something that you were given and you didn't see it as a burden that we had to now clean this whole dining hall by ourselves. But we said, let's make this a joy and I'm going to make it as fun as we can. And I think that's a tribute to, to your leadership and the way you led the people there. But in that, how did your communication of what you're about to do play into making it a moment that people won't forget for the positive rather than, oh, remember that time, Jake, we had to clean the whole dining hall by yeah. ourselves? Yeah, communication is key. How you how you lay things out for people is oftentimes going to determine if they are in or if they're out. And a lot of that's done by body language, um, just as simple as joy on the face. Uh, it can be done with... Um, you know, energy and enthusiasm, as opposed to just coming in and saying, here's what we're doing. Everyone left. We need to clean the dining hall. Now you come in, guys, look at this. This is awesome. We're going to have fun. We're going to delegate. It's going to be new. Um, and when we get done, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to jump outside. So I think it's just really in, in how you, how you lay it out at the beginning, uh, is just very key, uh, just to get people on board, excited, and if you can get one or two people invested, oftentimes, especially your your greatest influencers in a crowd, I think as a leader, you need to know who those influencers are. Because if you can ever get your influencers on board with you, they're going to have equity within the people that they're peers with, and they're going to be able to rally those around them. That's good. And I think it also reminding yourself that you are an influencer as a leader. And so speak into embodying the mission or knowing, hey, we got to clean this dining hall up. And if I'm not on board, no one else is going to be on board. How as a leader do you push yourself to then create the moment out of your your own intuition or your own embodiment of what you're about to do? I mean, obviously, you lead by example. And if, if I'm not excited to do something, then why in the world would the people under me be excited to, to do the same thing? Right. Um, and so as, as the quarterback goes, so the team goes. And um, in the, in the same line in any form of leadership, just if, if you're not bought in, the other people are not going to be bought in as well. And so if you're bought in and then not to just stand on the sidelines, but to engage and be in the mix as well, not to stand and yell from a microphone, but to stand, uh, to stand off and then get in the mix with your people. Um, I just truly believe that's the greatest form of form of example. Um, and then with that giving specific tasks. So people are like, well, what do we do? And so, Again, very silly example with a dining hall, but just saying, hey, I need you two guys right here. Y'all are on all plates. You two guys, y'all are on all tables. Y'all are on all um, y'all are on all trash cans, and you guys are on sweeping, mopping. Boom, knock it out. There we go. So giving very clear instructions. A lot of people, um, if they don't have vision, uh, they're not going to know what to do. A great leader has mm. to give good vision um, at the beginning, especially in something like that. Just break that down some more on vision. I think that's a, a crucial part about um, what 
uh, you're doing here with a moment. Because if you have a mission, you have a vision, and you're able to cast that, um, how does that play into people buying in? Yeah, you know, I think if you don't have a vision, uh, then people are going to be people are going to be very uh, confused as to what's going on. Um, and so another example would be this past summer for our Christmas party, we had a big, big, uh, display at the end. Um, all the kids rallied at our platform outside. Um, we had Christmas lights hung up and strung up and we had a couple switches that we had to push at just the right time. Uh, Santa was, uh, parked up in a golf cart, uh, up the hill. Uh, we had theme music on, uh, we had a dance that was played, but all of that required everyone being on the same page. And so just in my communication was very clear here, guys, we're trying to create a moment, a Christmas moment in the middle of July that a kid will never forget. And here's what it takes to do that. Uh, Everybody's on a radio. Everybody's on a walkie talkie. We're going to hit the lights at this time when this song comes on, on this word. Um, And if it doesn't, then it's going to be off and and things are going to pop on at different times. Um, And so uh, just for all the pieces to work uh, together, you have to communicate above and beyond and then re-communicate as well. Mm-hmm. If I communicate with person A and with person B, um, it's really good to be able to communicate, have person A and person B communicate together as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just something that's really helpful. I can say one thing to, to person A and the exact same thing to person B, but they interpret it differently. So you want to make sure that your people are on the same page. That's good. So next question for you, Jake, I work in a company that we want to start creating moments. We want to do this, but we may not have the, the budget that um, other companies have. Money is an issue. And so when we're looking at, at areas of improvement within our organization, we say, man, that would cost a lot of money. How do you avoid that? Or how do you use just straight creativity to create moments and, and foster these inspirational times just using what you have in front of you? And do you have any examples of that? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think you have to leverage just the resources that you've been given. Um, No doubt Um, in an office setting, there's um, if you search national day calendar, there's a national day for everything. There's national ballpoint pen day. There's national chocolate day. There's national ride your elephant to work day. There's literally every type of national day on there out of 365 days. There's about four or five days. Um, I think it was maybe my second year at Kanakuk here in the office. Um, I really leveraged that. And I had, I would come in and the ladies in the office would ask me, what's the national day today? Uh, it was just fun. And so got to do, um, some really cool things with that. That's actually where the ice cream floats came from is it was national ice cream float day. And so got to send out the email to everyone and I'm like, no, it's legitimately national ice cream float day. Um, Another great example is uh, is Cinco de Mayo, right? And so uh, set up a taco day for us here at the office as well, uh, something that people um, could just get involved with and um, and and have fun with. Uh, we set up an NCAA March Madness bracket every year, and we motivate people with prizes. It's not a lot; uh, it doesn't have to have a high dollar amount. But what's fun in that is it's it's a long moment, but I'll be very intentional about sending updates. Uh, throughout the NCA tournament. And so after round one, I'll send an email with the update of where everyone's at. I'll send uh, kind of a breakdown of here's how the games went, here were the trends, here was the analysis. And as a sports guy, I love to do that, but it also helps people to continue uh, just to kind of buy in uh, to what we're doing. Um, I think that the things that other things that you can do um, that don't require a lot of money is uh, find five people in the office, um, ask them their favorite Sonic drink and be back with it 
uh, in about 40 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. go pick it up, bring it back for them. Um, something that, um, obviously I'm not on the top here, uh, within Canacuck, but if you as a leader just had the opportunity to bless people in just amazing ways and they're like, wait, what in the world is going on? Uh, and so for example, imagine getting the following email, uh, from, uh, from maybe a boss or supervisor attention, the office will be closed today after lunch. No reason, just a blessing. Go home, enjoy time with family, go outside, be active, turn on a movie, cook a great meal, whatever it is, leave work at the office. God bless and see you tomorrow. Would it be a blessing for these two leadership guys just to slip out of camp right now, go get some time together, grab a sonic and bring it back uh, and just have an hour out of camp for them. That's a blessing. It's not an expectation. Uh, but it's taken as something that's like, oh my gosh, he cares about me. Um, that's important. And then not only does that bless them, but it provides equity. It builds your equity uh, that you have with your employees or with your followers. To be able to create moments without having to change everything that you're doing. Um, I think a, a great example that that I saw applied at camp this summer is just raise the stakes on something. And so what does that mean? We'll put a wager on it. Um, every, uh, we had a party every week and it was called the ready, set game party. And we kind of brought board games to life and, uh, it was basically kid games, but just at a big, uh, large scale level. Um, and so with that, uh, we, we started with a game of giant Jenga, which is, uh, the three stacked blocks on top of each other, uh, about 18 rows high. And, um, anyway, we had it and we were playing and I was on stage commentating, um, and we had music in the background, which was really fun. I brought guys up and I brought girls up and it was guys versus girls. The guys would pull the block out, hold it up. The girls would pull the block out, hold it up. Um, and it was just fun for them to be able to battle back and forth. Anytime you can make something a competition is fun. But then there was this point that we were about five people in and I had an idea. I was just like, kill the music, kill the music. And so they kill the music and I'm like, God. I just don't think we're hype enough. I just don't think y'all get what we're fighting for here. I'm going to raise the stakes. I'm going to up the ante. And in fact, whoever wins this is going to get ice cream for breakfast for the entire side of camp tomorrow, either boys or girls. And so ice cream is something that, you know, every organization doesn't have in their freezer. Um, every, um, every CEO or every leader doesn't have available to them. And let's be honest, every young professional probably doesn't want ice cream for breakfast, but they may want a free Sunday brunch, you know? And so I think it's what, what do you have that you, that you could share with people? And that's okay. We meet a sales quota or we push to this deadline or we get the audit done, uh, two days ahead or we're ahead of schedule or, um, the productivity is here whatever the case is, you can, you can create measurables within your organization that motivate and inspire people. Uh, and then, uh, if you raise the stakes with that, that helps to amp up those, amp up those moments kind of in the, in the lead up as well. Um, and, and the second thing that I would say is just break the script. Um, there's so many things that you do day in and day out. Uh, this is just going to be another example, but, um, at camp we have a football tournament with our six to 11 year olds. And these guys come out, they love football, it's fun. Uh, but over the off season, I just tried to, to think, what can we do to make something that's fun? Uh, what can we do to, to raise the bar in that level? So we go, uh, we buy a, uh, an inflatable runout tunnel for our campers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, get the, uh, we have that, it's labeled with Canacuck, it's blue and red, just like um, uh, the two team colors that we would have um, for that game. Uh, the day of, we go down, we set up a smoke machine in the tunnel. We have fireworks set up uh, for when the kids run out. And so what it does is it creates a moment that as a nine-year-old kid running out of a tunnel with smoke and 
the entire camp chanting for you and uh, fireworks going off in the sky. Like you may never have that moment at any other level of football you played in your life. And as a nine year old, you're getting to experience it. And so just thinking, what do we do currently um, that, that maybe that we may think is good, but just to think outside the box, what could we do uh, to raise the bar just a little bit more? That's incredible. Always thinking outside the box. And what six year old doesn't get hype when you raise the stakes with ice cream? Come on. No doubt. I love it. No doubt. I mean, it, it got exponentially more. So even, even to the fact that I had to remove people from the stage, they were running onto the stage going absolutely ballistic, uh, for, uh, for the ice cream. And it was a, it was a 39 cent cup of ice cream, uh, from blue bunny. I mean, and that's all it is. That's amazing. That just goes to show that price doesn't always matter. If you make that piece, that ice cream, what it's all about, like they're going to go for it and people are going to buy in and they're going to want it. And it just creates a, a bond and it creates something that kids and people won't ever forget. Well, Jake, I want to just wrap up here, start to start to land the plane. I want to just give you the mic. What would you look back and tell your 20 year old self, whether it's leadership or whether it's life advice, what does the 20 year old need to hear right now? Yeah. You know, I think as, um, 20 year old, uh, lots going on. I was a sophomore at Baylor and, uh, just thinking about that time and uh, it's hard to put an age to something. And then you look back and you're like, where was I at in life? And it's like, I was a sophomore in Baylor and I was like, man, there was so much going through my head then uh, lots going on in my world. Uh, but there's a couple things that I think I would bring to mind. Uh, one would just be, I think maybe the biggest one, it would be fear, not the opinion of man. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something that for me has always been something that I've, I've just had to wrestle with and battle back with is, um, from appearance to uh, performance, um, especially and what people think of me and uh, to bring scripture into it, which is important to me. But Galatians 1.10, Paul's writing and he's, he, he's writing to the church in Galatia and he says, am I pleasing uh, men or am I pleasing God? If I were ser- seeking to serve men, I would not be a servant of God. And so just so many things to think about there, but so many times we get caught up in what does man think here? Or what is the opinion of this? Or how attractive does this look? Or um, what, uh, uh, maybe for example, um, uh, what is what is this going to get me in the long run? And instead of looking at that, you know, looking at earthly gain or temporal gain, like what is God thinking about this? Has my mindset been good? Has it been pure? Have my motives been pure? Um, have I done everything um, uh, with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength to the glory of God in this endeavor? If so, then you know the the opinion of man does not matter. It may in a corporate setting, or it may um, in a performance review, uh, but as far as spiritual uh, enrichment goes, it, it doesn't matter. So um, I think that's that's definitely one that I would say. Um, another couple, uh, others that I would say is just don't be afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. I think that I've missed out on opportunities, um, uh, in college just of where I maybe could have jumped into something, um, but was afraid of failing and, uh, have always felt I've been successful in different things that I've, I've jumped into or been a part of, but it's through failure that you learn so many things. And so mm-hmm. that kind of brings me to another one of just embracing stretching circumstances. Um, if you, if you don't want to be uh, if you don't want to grow as a leader, then don't stretch yourself. Mm, uh, when you start to get uncomfortable, that's when you start to really move. And when you get uncomfortable, you're stretched, you're pushed um, in a lot of different directions. Um, I would ask better questions, no doubt. Um, I would talk less. Uh, I would listen more. There was an old Baptist preacher uh, that was the uh, interim pastor of my church for 
just over a year, and he had the acronym, and it was WAIT, W-A-I-T, and he always said WAIT, why am I talking? Mm. And it was kind of silly at the time, but it just reminded me, I've, I've kept it with me, and it, it's just reminded me um, when and where I need to use my voice and when and where I need to speak up. There's a time to be loud, there's a time to be vocal and to take ownership, but also a good time as well just to sit back, process things. Um, the wise man remains silent a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, uh, he he takes things before speaking, something I'm continuing uh, to work on myself. And then lastly, um, just from a spiritual standpoint, and most important for me, at 20 years old, I would read my Bible more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that um, that for me, as I have grown as a leader, I've just become dependent on the Word of God just for everything uh, that I'm doing. Um, it's an integral piece of my day and part of what I do, um, and I want to be in God's Word every day. And uh, it really just takes me back to Galatians 5. Uh, and walking by the Spirit. And for me, that's the most tangible way, along with uh, with being in prayer every day, just that I can walk by the Spirit. Uh, and in college, I think I got caught up with uh, either temptation or busyness or um, maybe just flat-out ignorance because I wasn't in uh, the Word of God enough. And had I prioritized that over an accounting exam, uh, my GPA may have been a half point lower, uh, but I believe that my uh, investment and that my impact would have been uh, exponentially higher. Dang, Jake, come on, preach, brother. That's amazing. Oh, Thank you so much um, for your wisdom and for your time, Jake. You're a you're a moment maker. You're a leader. You're a leader people want to follow, and I I appreciate your time more than you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Fun to be here and just fun to share. And um, a lot of opportunities. You just have to take advantage of them. Be strategic, uh, but also be uh, be spontaneous and, and don't be afraid to give something a go. Come on. Thank you, Jake. Hey, Zach here. One more thing before you leave. I want to give a huge shout out to the Vasco Band for providing music for this podcast. You can find them on Apple Music. You can find them on Spotify, Amazon Prime Music, wherever you find your music. The Vasco Band. Go check them out.